What's up, everybody? Super excited for today's interview. Uh, man, I'm, I'm interviewing the first returned missionary of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to win a national championship in the sport of wrestling. He did so at Penn State. And we're going to learn his whole journey to get there and what he did after uh, he, he was done with his wrestling career at Penn State. There's been some amazing things that we're going to learn today from his high school career, the stuff that he learned there, his recruiting, how he got to Iowa State how he went from Iowa State to Penn State after serving a two-year church mission and uh, some of the transitions in between here and there, life lessons that he's he's learned, some of the transitions after college uh, to getting to his army career to now taking an exam to be a lawyer in the army. I mean, we're talking such amazing content here. This, this is going to be an amazing interview, uh, something that I think everybody should be paying attention to. Take notes. This is very inspiring. Plus, the guy has a book. He's written a book about his journey. Unbelievable. I would encourage you guys to check it out. I have the link here in the description as well. So thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for being part of this. I hope you guys enjoy this interview. So please take notes. And if you guys like it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts to help the show get out to more people. Again, my name is Shane Larson, and this is the Game Time Guru. So what time is it? Game Time Boost. This is the Game Time Guru Podcast where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. Excited to be here one more time with a, an amazing guest. I mean, it's not one more time, it's just another time because we're going to keep this thing rolling. But, uh, man, I'm just so grateful for all those who have tuned in to the show. Um, if you're a new listener, I always tell you, welcome aboard. I'm happy to have you here. So if this is the first time you've ever listened to the podcast, awesome. I, I'm grateful for anybody who's joined along the way. If you've been here from day one or if this is your day one, welcome. Um, all I ask in return from you guys is just to take notes and listen and learn from our guests. And if you enjoy it and you feel that... Uh, you want to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts that helps the show get out to more people, please do so. Uh, but otherwise, just take some notes and learn from our guests. As you guys heard in the introduction, I've got a very, very special guest today. Uh, huge, like a, a huge appreciation uh, from a connection I made with Garrett Crone, who was also on the show. Grateful for Garrett connecting me with our guest today. Um, super cool story. And this is going to be a good one for a, a lot of wrestlers. Um, whether you're a young wrestler, maybe you're a collegiate wrestler, maybe you're a professional wrestler, but there's also some more stuff here that I think uh, we'll get into that I think it can benefit a lot of people. So um, don't don't just turn it off if you're not a wrestler, okay? Because like there's a lot to be unpacked here, and I'm I'm really excited to do it. And joining me on the show is Matt Brown. Matt, thanks for joining us, brother. Thank you, Shane. I'm uh, looking forward to talking with you today. Oh man, it's gonna be super super cool. So as you guys who have followed me know, Matt Matt has a hit we're gonna get into this though but we're both big 10 guys i'm a boise state alum but they call me the boise buckeye matt so I'm a, I'm a i'm an ohio state guy actually so uh, i don't hold that against you too much <laughs> i know it's kind of funny that uh a random connection like that and neither one of us are like from those locations it's uh he just happened to go to school there and i just i love the buckeye since eddie george was a running back when i was <laughs> seven years old so anyway so we have a little bit of a tiff there but it's all good you know, Matt, I want to I want to rewind the clock though, because we're gonna get into your your collegiate wrestling career, um, you, the accolades that come along with that. 
and we'll get into some of the other stuff, but I want to rewind the clock and kind of learn about you as a young athlete growing up and, you know, getting into the sport of wrestling. Um, let's go prior to the high school days. Did you start wrestling at a young age and did you look up to anyone in your family, maybe a father figure or any siblings or cousins, anyone wrestle in your family? No, mine's story is kind of abnormal in that respect. My dad didn't wrestle brother really didn't wrestle. So, uh, I think a lot of wrestlers get into it because of their family, but I didn't, I was just a friend. Um, a friend invited me. I was like five years old and we were just doing a little kids club at the high school. He was doing it. So I did it and then kind of took off from there. So I started at a young age, but not because of the family connection. Oh, cool. So five years old. So you were doing it from a long time though. Like you, you kind of got into it when you were younger. Yeah. So we started, I started back then, but I didn't get serious until maybe early teens. Um, I got with a really good club. You know, I you start off at this little high school and then you show a little bit of aptitude and the coach is like, you know what, maybe you go to a club. And that's kind of my progression. Ah, super cool. Okay. So I, and I, I take notes while I'm talking. So if you see this pop, like see me like on my phone, that's because I'm taking yeah. notes. And I encourage everybody who's listening to do the same thing. If you listen to this on an Apple device or Android, whatever you're on, you're on a cell phone or something, take your notepad out, take some notes. Um, did you play any other sports though throughout your youth or anything? Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, any of those, rugby? I don't know. Did you play anything else or did you focus solely on wrestling from the time you were a little kid? I was a three-sport athlete. I was a little undersized, um, but I loved playing baseball, caught, you know, played the all-star city league and had a had a lot of fun playing baseball played football uh up until my kind of senior year in high school i was on the football team but that's kind of when i transitioned to full-time you know i was going to focus on wrestling but growing up yeah three sport athlete um a little undersized but had a lot of fun playing all the sports so my question to follow up on that then i didn't realize so so three sport athlete even up through high school playing football too um, nowadays it seems like a lot of kids specialize. I, I mean, I coach club basketball and I, and I see a lot of kids specializing really early and, um, there are some benefits to some of that, but I, I also find it personally to be a disadvantage. I think competing in multiple sports and doing some crossover stuff, they can benefit you, but I want to know your opinion. Like, did you find that it was beneficial? Did you take anything you learned from football onto the wrestling mat or vice versa when you were competing in all of them? I thought it was beneficial. Um, I, I think, I think I could have got burned out if I started focusing on wrestling too soon. Um, just kind of with the pressure associated cutting weight, you know, like that to do that year round, uh, would be a lot for a kid. I, I also see that, but, um, I just had a lot of fun, you know, and wrestling's more of an individual sport, especially at that age. And I liked playing with my school friends in baseball and in football and that, and that was part of it too, you know? So, I don't know about skills, you know, I probably took more wrestling into my football game with tackles and things like that than any crossover, but it kept me always involved in something and it rotated in it. And that variety helped, you know, every three months you're starting a new sport. Um, wrestling was always an emphasis, but it wasn't the only eff emphasis. Totally. So it probably gave you a little bit of a fresh start each time. I kind of revamp something to, you know, train for a little bit, a little different skill set which is awesome. And it kept you disciplined. I'm sure what, one of the things I've realized, um, and I'm going to have the link to your book here. If you guys didn't know there's a book, <laughs> it's Matt's book. Mission accomplished is the name of the book. And we're going to get into his NCAA stuff, but, um, mission accomplished. Let's, let's make the full title, Matt. It's mission accomplished. Um, as I have it up right here, 
Holy cow. Reflections of an NCAA national champion. I wanted to make sure I said it right. So we're going to talk about that and get into that. But in the book, one of the things I realized was your discipline. I'm like, dang, dude, this guy was like, just, he was disciplined in the way in which he conducted himself. And like, there's some army ties into this as well, like the ROTC and stuff like that, that we'll get into. But man, you, you know, competing in multiple sports, you have to stay disciplined. You have to learn those different things. But one of the things I want to ask you um, from a wrestling standpoint, it's one of the most, like it requires some of the most discipline I've ever seen in any sport. As a former boxer myself, I I always said the boxing, you it required discipline, not even close to what wrestling, in my opinion, from what I've experienced. But I want to know at what point in, in your uh, wrestling career, Matt, in high school, did you realize like, maybe I can compete at the next level? Did you know, like from your freshman year, or was it something that you're like, man, I can actually do this. Maybe it was your senior year, um, but you were pretty successful throughout your high school career from what I understood. Yeah. I didn't go to a powerhouse wrestling uh, high school. So I had success early as a, as a freshman, I'm headed into the state tournament undefeated. Right. And so I'm like, Ooh, maybe I could get four kind of, had that on my horizon. I didn't end up winning as a freshman. Um, but I had a club coach, uh, Gabe Vigil, actually All-American at Boise State. Um, but he kind of had talked to my parents like, oh, Matt can wrestle at the next level. And I I had hoped I could. But hearing that from someone who had, had wrestled at Boise State, you know, at the Division One level, I was like, okay, that's that's promising. And it helped my parents to realize like, okay, it's okay to invest this time and effort and resources because he has that capability. Um, and so now whenever I work with kids, if I see that potential, I like give that liberally to, Hey, you can make it at the next level. And I think that's the case because kids need to see themselves being able to achieve that. And someone did that for me. So I'm very grateful for that. That's super cool, man. That's super cool. You know, you, you talked about, okay, so going your freshman year, let's, let's rewind a little bit there too. And you said going into undefeated in the state tournament, not coming out on top. How, you know, from wrestling standpoint, how do you recover from that? Like, how do you bounce back and make sure that you're, you know, sports, you have the the ups and downs, peaks and valleys. I always call it the heartbeat. You don't want a flat line. So it's okay to have the, the low ends too, but you got to make sure you bounce back to get above. Right. How did you personally, from your specific story, bounce back from that experience? I probably didn't do it in the best way, to be honest. I just, <laughs> it nagged me for a whole year, right? So I felt like I had a monkey on my back until a state tournament came around, you know? And so I thought about it too much. And there's parallels. As I get to my college career, I don't win it right away, you know? And, and maybe I learned something there, but it takes, it took a lot of time for me uh, to win. It felt like a long time. It was only a year. Um, but that, that was like a constant kind of like, ah, oh, dang, I'm not a state champion. I'm not a state champion. And that I put too much emphasis on the end result. Rather, I could have been focused on the process, probably got a lot better. All right. So thinking back on it, you probably could have just focused, but it, it obviously, did you think that hindered your, your training though at all? And like the way that you competed, cause you were still seeing success after that. Yeah, not, it, it didn't hinder it too much, but I put too much mental, you know, load on me about it the pressure of you know the result it it can drive me uh i looking back you know i definitely was motivated i trained hard um and it, it gave me a little bit of fire but i don't know if i really handled that in the way i should have you know as, as like a 15 year old kid you're not going to do it perfectly but yeah for sure for sure but uh, you know looking back hindsight's always 2020 but it's always good to kind of 
you know, share your experiences, good and yeah. the bad, so that people can learn from them, right? Right. Um, so, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You were in high school. Did it say you were competing at 146, 145? So I started freshman year. I'm 119 or 112, 119, 135. I end up at 145 as a senior. Goodness. Okay, that's wild. <laughs> so I always tell people I, I started boxing at 165 my junior year in high school, sophomore year in high school, and then when I was a freshman in college, I was still fighting for gold gloves. I was 185, but fighting 205ers, and I thought that was crazy. But you were going like boom, 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 boom. It's like you know puberty hits and you start to grow. Okay, so. With that, and then even in, like we'll talk about your college because that's even more of a jump right. uh, from the weight class. But um, cutting weight is a conversation Matt, that I've had before. I had my uh, my friend Russell Brunson, who is the co-owner, co-founder of ClickFunnels, and he was a Division One wrestler and um, and whatnot. So we talked on the show about two years ago about that, and he talked about cutting weight. And I want to know you're you're the only other wrestler I've ever had on the show in six and a half years, and I want to know about cutting weight. Like, what was the process that you followed through high school? to cut weight, to make sure that you were on point. Cause that requires, like I said, discipline, but that man, it's hard. That is hard. Yeah. So in, in high school, I didn't do it very well. I just, you know, I would skip meals. I would be super fatigued. I, you know, you get your plastics on not smart. I'm on the elliptical for an hour at a time. I lose all this water and then, you know, I don't have the discipline. So I go at night, I'm drinking all this water back. Like it was, it was a challenge. Um, in college, I kind of got the hang of it. You put your sweats on, you roll around, you keep your sweat going, you eat smaller meals, you don't skip meals, you know? So like that was a learning process. Um, but I do not miss it at all. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, ended up going to ranger school after I was done wrestling and you're either a tired ranger or you're a hungry ranger and the hunger wasn't as bad, you know, as cutting weight. So I, I've, I've dealt with that. I'm good. I'll, I'll eat my meals now. No, I dude, I love it. It gives you new respect for it. Hey, how much, what was the most you ever had to cut in a, in a, in a week? Did you keep it pretty close to your weight ranger? Were you cutting 20, 30 pounds? Well, I mean, a lot of guys would pull more weight than I would, but at Penn state, we were smart. We didn't do a lot of weight. Um, I remember, two tournaments, one in Paris, I was wrestling a freestyle. I get over there and I'm 10 kilos over. So it's like 20, 22 pounds. You know, I'm like, Ooh, that's a lot. That's a lot. I'm going to be dehydrated. And then in college, I show up at Oklahoma state for a duel and I'm like 10 pounds over the night before. So that's a lot of weight to cut in it. I wrestled, I barely won that match and I felt like crap, but so yeah, cutting weight definitely impacts how you perform on the mat. It's, it's a conversation that not a ton of people have. I know they've put some like new things in since like in the last 20 years, even since I graduated high school in 2006, there's been changes to like hydration tests. Like they have to, there's a certain thing. So you can't just be like sitting at 185 and then cut down to 150. Like they don't allow that anymore. They have, there's certain things that you have to do at least at the high school level anyway, right. but you watch like professional fighters, they're cutting weight. It's a dangerous thing. Um, I wanted to just get your thoughts on cutting weight. Like the whole conversation, like why don't people, it's like the, the casual fans will sit there and just be like, why don't you just fight at your weight class? Or why don't you wrestle at your weight class of what you walk around? And why do we even have, a, why do we have to cut weight? Why doesn't everybody just do it at their natural weight? So I'm just curious your thoughts on that, having been there and competed at the highest level um, in the sport. Well, I think there is a little bit of an advantage if you're a little bigger and stronger, right? And so if you do it the right way, you can be big for a weight class and you're just, big for the weight and you're strong you know and so everyone's trying to get that advantage where if if i have to cut five pounds that's a practice worth i drink two power aids and i'm good to go that's that's not really going to affect my wrestling 
you know, so I can be a little bit bigger. I can be five pounds bigger than everyone else if they just wrestled their same way. So there is, it's kind of a catch 22 because there is an advantage if you're stronger. Um, but if you have to dehydrate yourself and you wrestle dehydrated, then you're not going to perform well. And you should have just gone the same way. You know, if you don't know how to cut weight, just wrestle with, uh, what you weigh. It's so, it's so weird to me. I, I don't know. I, I never had the problem in boxing. I never had to cut weight because I was always small for my weight class. Like, especially when I was fighting at 185, we had a weight range and the guys yeah. that I was fighting were like, they were over, like you could be within 16 pounds and fight a guy. So my last fight, I was like 185, but they lied about the weight. And then the guy was like 203. So they <laughs> lied about my weight so that it made it look like it was closer than it was. So anyway, you had to be within 16 pounds, but like I would watch guys cut weight and I'm like, dude, you just spent like two months training so hard for like this particular <laughs> bout. And then, cutting weight they just weren't the same fighter in the match I'm like it's almost like it just went for nothing i'm like dude yeah. you, you were in phenomenal shape but now you're so fatigued you can't even do anything and your chin's not there so i don't know i just i've always had different opinions on it but i never had to experience it because i didn't actually have to cut weight ever um and then at the I, team level you know you might have to cut weight to get in to the lineup you know you're i was wrestling for a penn state where we all they do is win national championships now and so you're you're like where am i gonna fit among all these national champs, you know? So like, that's part of it. You might have to help your team. My coach, he had to go up a weight, uh, whenever he was wrestling, you know? So, so there's just, that that's also a dynamic that coaches are trying to work through, you know, who's best at what weight for the team. Oh, that is interesting. So let's, let's get into this real quick. So, um, you knew you were going to go. So like the recruiting process, I want to know that. So once you knew you were going to go to the next level, you didn't just go junior college or like you went to a very, high level university to start. So I'm, I'm curious, like how did the recruiting process go for you? If there's listeners here, wrestlers that are like looking to get recruited, is it any different, you know, than that's what I want to talk about. Is it different than the basketball or football or the traditional sports, so to speak for recruiting? Like how did you go about your recruiting process when you were coming out of high school? So a very different thing uh, with college wrestling is those coaches are still on the mat. A lot of them. Right. And so they get a feel you like you're at a camp. They might grab you, snap you down, run around, shoot, take you down. So they get to feel you, which is just a cool part of, you know, the, the college coaches are still on the mat. I don't know how many football coaches are doing drills or, or basketball coaches actually taking shots, but the wrestling coaches, they are on the mat with their guys. So that's one big difference. But um, I went to a camp. I had I had wanted to join the army. I knew about West Point. I knew that they give you a full ride if you get in. So I had accepted, I had got an appointment to West Point. That's where I was headed. I go to a camp uh, at Wasatch High School with Coach Kale Sanderson at the time. He's at Iowa State. He sees that I've got some talent. He says, where are you going to go to college? And I said, I'm going to West Point. He said, well, just come wrestle for me at Iowa State and do ROTC. And this is, you know, Coach Kale Sanderson. He's the legend of, of wrestling. And so I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Right. So I look into that and that's what I end up doing. I take my visits. I go to West Point. I go to Iowa state. I, I think I go to Wyoming as well, but he got to see me at a camp and then that's kind of where it went. And that's how it ended up that I got to wrestle for him. I, and I think that's common. Um, I think coaches are obviously recruiting at tournaments and things like that, but they can see you at a camp and they can see kind of like, well, this kid, he's a diamond in the rough because he's working so hard. Maybe he hasn't placed at the tournaments like we'd like, but I can develop him. And that's what they saw essentially. That's awesome. And I, that's a really good piece of information. I just took note of it as well here. 
uh, go to camps. That's one. That's one thing I'd tell any, like if you're an athlete, especially a wrestler, uh, check out the camps. Cause a lot of those coaches, like Matt just said, might still be on the mat. Uh, they might be doing that. Mm-hmm. They might be able to, to wrestle around with you and get a feel for you. And you never know what's going to come of it. I, I always tell the basketball players too, like go to camps for exposure and just like getting used to the system and like understanding where you, you stand amongst other athletes from different parts of the country. But, um, it looks like wrestling. That's even more important too. It's like a, a special emphasis on it. Um, now going to Iowa state, I read in the book that you had red shirted because in wrestling, it's an interesting thing. That's actually very common. Can you explain that piece of it too? Like wrestling, it's more common to be registered. There's, there's a lot of guys, man, that like I come from the Boise state era, like the, like the area over here where like, it's, it's really normal to see gray shirts and red shirts, but you know, I cover Ohio state football as well. And I love Ohio state. And it's interesting to see how the big 10 does it. Cause that was, that's not normal for them. Like they're, when you go to, if you're a five-star athlete, you're expecting to play. Whereas here, they, they develop them a little bit more. It's a little different. But I guess I read in there that you had redshirted and it's more normal for wrestling because something to the effect of that there's not a professional draft or anything of that nature. So you can develop the players and the wrestlers that way. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, I think I think that's part of it. You know, you're not trying to be seen so you can go make a lot of money. You have four years to go win national championships. So let's get you as many shots as you can. Right. Um, um, you'll still have really talented wrestlers wrestle right away. And some of it's because they want to, but most of it's, Hey, we need you to, we need you to wrestle this year. We need you on the team to go win a national championship year at this weight. We need you, you know? And so that's kind of the dialogue. Um, and to be honest, I wasn't really ready to go all American as, as a freshman. Um, I was, I was good in high school. Uh, but it's a jump. It's a big jump from where I was at in high school to go to compete um, for an All-American status. And I don't think I was ready right away, to be honest. So that's that's another. So you went to Cyprus. Is that right? Cyprus High yes, School? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So Cyprus and Utah. So for my Utah listeners, there you go. You hit it right, <laughs> right there. Love it or hate it. Cyprus High School. Okay. Um, and then you go to Iowa State. Talk to me about that transition. Like, let's let's hear about that transition from the high school level in Utah to, I mean, we're talking not just Division One, but we're talking like high level Division One. I mean, that's you're going into this with all these athletes. What was the biggest transition? Was it the physicality? Was it just learning to be a student athlete? Like, what was it that for you that was probably the biggest transition piece? I think it's probably for most wrestlers, it's the top and bottom, right? If you get a good guy on top, he'll ride you, and if he'll ride any high school kid, you know? And so you have to learn how to get away and you don't win matches. If you can't get away in college, uh, that's kind of a black and white role. Um, I ended up losing, we'll get into this, but I lose in the NCAA finals in on a ride out where I couldn't get away. Right. So like that top bottom game is something that you have to get better at. And I ended up, um, kind of mastering that, but that's a that's an area where high school wrestlers have to get good if they're going to compete in college. What's the best way to do that? Just like, I mean, just training it with your partners? Is it watching film? Like, how is it? Or is it just experiencing it in matches? Uh, so what Penn State does is they'll bring their guys in early as they can. And during the summer, those guys are wrestling top and bottom. They're, those freshmen are getting ridden for hours in practices, you know, that, and they just, you're going to sink or swim. And that's just trial by fire by by having those college guys uh, ride on top. So it's like, 
I mean, I like sink or swim mentality, and it obviously works because Penn State specifically, like that's what they're doing. They're competing for national championships. So I guess when you got to college, then understanding that piece, was there for you, Matt, like lifting weights? I mean, I always talk to the basketball players that coach, right? Like that's a big piece for them when they, even at the junior college level, they're not used to the physicality. They're like, oh my gosh, the speed of the game's quicker. And everyone, like these guards that are six foot two, that are just these little dudes that are like, they're strong. I'm like, yeah, dude, this is in Idaho. This is everyone's got there. Was that a thing that you had to like get used to? Or were you always strong? Like you are now? Like, was that just, you were part of that? Yeah. The strength, obviously there's a, there's a little bit of a jump, but that wasn't the biggest jump. It was more the technique piece. You know, you're kind of similar. Like you said, you're learning a system. How do we set up our shots? How do we take guys down? How do we finish? And so that took me some time. Um, I did get a lot stronger though, right? You're, they're giving you protein shakes after your workout. Like it's, it's a thing. Um, because I was doing ROTC to help pay for school, I was doing 10 workouts a week, right? Through wrestling and ROTC. That was just standard operating procedure, 10 workouts a week. And Saturday I was done. I was like, holy cow, feels so good. Monday morning, I'm back at doing 10 workouts a week. Um, and obviously that was tiring, but I was a redshirt it's okay to put in that work. I'm not competing uh, at the varsity level. So it ended up being good for me. Oh, that's awesome. I want to ask you about that too. Just like prioritizing time. Um, some, some student athletes have a hard enough time just transitioning to college because they're not used to prioritizing their time because as an athlete, you typically have a structured schedule. Like it's like, here's maybe you have weight training. Then you have study hall. If you have to go to study hall, you got class, you got dude. Blah, 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 okay. And then you got practice twice or whatever it may be. Every sport's different. For you, you had ROTC on top of that. Like that's, you had to stay structured. And that's where I go back to the dis discussion of discipline. How did you prioritize your time to stay disciplined and stay committed to what you were doing on both sides of those wrestling and ROTC as well as school? So this, this is going to sound more simple than it is to execute, but this is the truth. Wherever you're at, be there. And so whenever I was in class, I would see classmates on Facebook, on their phones, but I was there taking notes because I don't have time to go review these two or three times before the test. I need to focus now, right? Because I've got ROTC, I've got practice. So I, it helped me be busy because wherever I was, I was like locked in because I don't have time to do this again. So I took handwritten notes. I was ready to go. I paid attention. And then when the test came, I did, I did really well. And I'm not a smart, you know, abnormally smart guy. It's just the fact that I paid attention in class and my peers weren't. Um, and so I ended up doing very well on the academic front. And I think it's because I paid attention, you know, and, and I, and it sounds too simple, but a lot of college guys and gals are just distracted and you can go in there and do really well. If you pay attention, man, I I'm going to snip that out and put this on social media because that's like, uh, as part of the promotion for this podcast episode, because that is so important. It says it sounds easier than it is, but it's actually not that hard. It's just that people have to train themselves to stay in the moment. I think there's just so much noise out there. Like you said, Facebook, social media is everywhere and Snapchat. But like, even if you aren't in ROTC and a collegiate athlete, perhaps take some advice from Matt right here and just like pretend you are, if that's the case. Like pretend you don't have time to go re study these over and over and over again. And you'd be amazed at like what you can probably accomplish. That's that's incredible, dude. Um, as so a, as a at what point, that, oh, go ahead. to follow up, so whenever I get to the NCAA tournament, they give out an award, Elite 89, to the 
to the wrestler with the highest GPA. I am not the smartest wrestler, but I got the, that award as the war, the wrestler with the highest GPA. And that is because you just do what you're supposed to do when you're in class. You know, the teacher's going to tell you what they want you to learn. So just write it down. You know, <laughs> it, it was pretty simple, but I, I had success with it. This, uh, I love it, man. Like just play the game, dude. You got to play the game. Just take the teacher's going to this is what's on the test. And that, that's what it is. That's as simple as it gets. That's awesome, dude. I love it. Um, at what point, Matt, during like your collegiate career, did you decide that you were going to serve a church mission? Was that always part of the, the plan for you? Cause you served a two year church mission for the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I'm curious, like, did you always plan on doing that? Or was that just kind of one of the things that in your life that it, it happened when you were in college already? I had planned on it. So the church, uh, had been a part of my life since I was born, but my parents didn't grow up in the church. And so they were, I felt like they were blessed through missionary service and I was able to go do that, uh, a similar thing. So I decided to do that. Um, and it's funny. So like they said, they have 10 weights that in college that they're trying to slot guys in for, you know? And so maybe a two year mission would be a little bit hard, but can you do a one year mission? That's what an assistant coach asked me. I said, ah, sorry, it's not like that. So, uh, I had decided that that's what I wanted to do. Um, it was just kind of when some guys would wait until they're all the way done with, you know, they would wrestle their red shirt and then they'd wrestle four years and then they might decide to go. But I, I felt like I wanted to, to go as soon as I could. And I did. Um, and so at Iowa state, I put in, Hey, I want to go serve a mission. I, and I got told I'm going to go to Mozambique, Africa. Um, and then I also got to serve in Angola, another country in Africa. And I was able to speak Portuguese there. Hey, so I emailed me go. Hey, so got it. That's, that's crazy. So you, so I don't think people understand this if they're not members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but sometimes that's, it is a sacrifice. I think sometimes people who grow up around members of the church might see like, I, I know I had friends that are just like, Oh, that's just what the members of the church do. And then, but it is a sacrifice. And for someone like yourself, like the something that you wanted to do, of course, but it's a sacrifice because you have wrestling on the line. There's spots that are available and you got coaches that are trying to get in your ear. Like uh, they might not fully understand it, but you went and did something that was bigger than yourself um, serving a two-year mission. And I'm curious when you were out there, okay, this is the, this is the question you're, I mean, you had intentions of coming back and wrestling, which you did, but how did you stay in shape while you were out there or at least doing the best to stay in shape? Like what was your, did you get, did you have a workout routine or did you just say, Hey, when I get back, I'm going to go hundred percent to try to get myself back in shape. Like what did you do throughout those two years? No, I, I knew I had a very clear desire that I wanted to come back, back and wrestle at the highest level. So I wasn't going to let myself get fat, so to speak. You know, a lot of missionaries will, and they, they'll let themselves go. But I I knew that's not what I wanted, and I couldn't really do that and expect to compete right away. So I did, you know, P90X, a lot of push-ups, a lot of pull-ups. While I was in uh, Africa, I had a guy make me a pull-up bar that I could hang on the door, and I did pull-ups, and I got strong. I kept my back strong. I kept my legs strong. And then it wasn't that big of a tr transition when you get back in the room. You just need your lungs back, you know, and, and that would come within a few months. Dude, props to you. So here's the issue I had when I served, I, I served my church mission, um, in Brazil. And so I, when I came home, I was actually 170 pounds. I, I left at 200 pounds. I came back 170. I, I was starving out there. dude. We walked everywhere we went. We didn't have a car or a bike. I starved. I didn't, it was rice and beans every day. I'm sorry to the people that I served with, like, you guys didn't feed us enough. Like, and that's just how it is. 
I, I, I love them all, but that's just how it was. But once I got back and I, it took me about six to eight months to even like get my strength back. But once I started like eating American food, I bloated up pretty quick. I wasn't, it wasn't hard to get weight back on, but I would say like, I, be, I came back and then became a better athlete because my body was more mature. I just had to get the weight room consistently for like half a year. Uh, but it was hard for me to come back, man. And that's why I have a lot of respect for people like yourself to like stay disciplined to at least keep yourself going throughout the mission to stay intact so that when you come back, it's less of a transition to try to try to get there. But when you got back, Matt, um, actually, while you were on your mission, do you mind sharing what the biggest like life lesson that you had out there was that you were able to take back home with you uh, before you got back to your, your wrestling career? Yeah, so I don't do as well as I should on this, but um, I just saw a lot of people that were happy that had very little. And so the gratitude aspect, you know, you pe people that don't have, um, they just have a dirt floor and they're they're happier than we are now, you know? And um, so that's a lesson that I I still try to remember. Um, I, I don't let food go to waste. And so sometimes I'll, uh, eat my wife's food on, on that. She's going to throw away or something like that. So just appreciation for the things that we have. Uh, I, I try to remember. It's awesome, man. I, uh, I wish everybody could hear that, which they will, but I wish they could all just understand that. Um, it's hard to say it unless you've been somewhere where that's the case. Like that's why I encourage anybody, whether you're a member of this church or not, like if you have an opportunity to go elsewhere and, and just kind of see a different side of the world, sometimes that's what happens. And you got to, and you learn a ton of life lessons. I had a similar experience myself there just in Brazil where a third world country, there's just certain things we take for granted here in the United States uh, that I don't think we really think about. It's just kind of, cause we've been, and it's not a, it's not like we're cocky and arrogant. It's just that we don't right, know right. any different until we don't know. Like, like, Oh, Oh, okay. So we don't wash our clothes with a washer and dryer. We hang them up. Oh, okay. So little <laughs> things like that. Um, when you came back though, I want to talk about this part of your story. Everyone's probably thinking if they didn't read your book, which I'm sure not everybody who's listened to this has, this might be their first time hearing about you. How did you go from like Iowa state? Oh, he went to Iowa state. Then he goes on a mission. How'd you end up at Penn state? We've already referenced that a couple of times. So like, let's talk about that over to like Penn state, Iowa state to Penn state. So at the end of that school year, my retro freshman year, Coach Kale had decided to to go take the coaching job at Penn State. And he takes his whole staff and he sees the potential that the Penn State wrestling program has. And at that point, I'm like, well, um, I think I like Iowa State. I think I'm going to stay here. And so I had originally planned to stay there. Uh, lo and behold, I, I do follow Coach Kale and uh, his coaching staff out to Penn State. And while I was there, the first year I was gone, they did okay. The second year, they win a national championship. And I'm at that point in Angola. I'm like, geez, Louise, these guys are winning without me already. Like, what the heck? <laughs> and so I felt like an urgency to get back um, uh, and, and try to wrestle as soon as I could. Dude, that, oh, man. Just being out there and just, I, I can feel it for you. Just like, oh, man, I got to get back there. Um was there a different, what was the biggest difference I should say, as far as like your time at Iowa state to Penn state, like, was there a transition there or were you just like, no, it's the same coaching staff. So I'm kind of used to this. Or was there just a different environment as a whole? Could you tell a difference with the energy around the school at Penn state? Uh, I guess I should, maybe you need to be careful. Maybe I don't at Iowa state. We were kind of in the shadow of Iowa. So okay. Iowa is a very big powerhouse wrestling. So was Iowa state. I'm not saying anything against that, but I felt like, Iowa 
had us on upper hand at Penn state. That's not the case, right? So Penn state's has that powerhouse feel. And when you're in the room, you're surrounded by these stars, you know, my, my teammates were winning multiple national championships. That, that was the standard. Um, and so there was a little transition there, but same coaching staff, just amazing human beings, uh, from coach kale, coach Cunningham, coach Cody, uh, Jake Farner, all of them are just amazing humans as well as really servant oriented coaches. You just answered a question for me, sort of, but I want to see if you can elaborate a little bit. What was the biggest thing you learned uh, from Coach Kale? Like, I, because I, you've mentioned him a couple times. Like, what was the biggest thing that he taught you outside of just the sport of wrestling? That would be hard to pare down. You might have to read the book for more insights on that. But Coach Kale is an amazing person. I think he helped me mentally uh, enjoy wrestling. And that's one of he, how he sees his job is to share his love for wrestling with his team. And it's infectious. Uh, if you watch any of the post national championship matches, you can tell the Penn state guys love wrestling and you, you think, well, of course they love wrestling. They're wrestling for national championships, but a lot of people are like, oh man, I'm so happy the season's over. You know, yeah. so there is that dynamic. And, uh, so I caught what he was, I bought what he was selling that, you know, wrestling is fun. Let's go do our very best. And that mindset is one of the things that I took away. Ah, so cool, man. So cool. So you did reference this earlier in the podcast too, Matt, that, uh, your high school career, you didn't start, you didn't win a state championship right at the beginning. Same thing as your college career. I mean, you're surrounded by guys who are winning national championships, but it was kind of a journey for you. Uh, can you walk us through that journey and like the ups and downs until the time came where you actually had a chance to win a national championship and you, and, and you came out on top? Yeah. So I take my visit after my mission and I'm talking to coach Cody. I said, you know, you got Ed Ruth. He ends up being a three-time national champ. You have David Taylor ends up being a Olympic gold medalist. I said, where do you see, where do I fit in? He's like, well, we're going to have to work, you know, work in. He was being honest, you know, you can maybe beat one of them, but we're going to have to find a spot for you. So I do not start that freshman year eligibility. Um, but then Ed Ruth moves up to 184. And I'm kind of the newer face. I'm, I slide into the 174 spot. And David Taylor's right below me at 165. Okay. I'm trying to like, okay, 174. Went from 112 <laughs> as a freshman in high school. You're at 174. Okay. Yeah. I just got to, okay. So you start there. I'm just, that's just mind boggling to me. Just thinking of the, okay. I have so many questions I could ask about that, but I'm just like, I can't right now, but 174, that's where you're at. And this is what's so unique about wrestling is they're trying to find the spot that works best for you. Okay. So when did, did you have a chance to win a national champion? Did you lose in a national championship or anything of that nature up until the time where you actually won one? Cause like, I want to yeah, know so like how you face adversity. So I wrestled, um, in three national championship, uh, tournaments. Right. So my freshman year, I'm sitting, I'm behind Ed Ruth yep. at 74. Then as a first chance I get, I have ups and downs. I ended up losing to an Ohio state kid in the regular season, but at the big 10 tournament, I win that tournament. I beat that same Ohio state kid. I win the big 10 tournament and I kind of come on real strong at the end. And I storm my way beating people that I lost to into the NCAA finals. And this is where I, this is my goal. No other member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints had left on a two-year mission and come back and win an NCAA championship in wrestling. 
So I'm there. And this is my first chance to wrestle for it. Um, I lose a nail biter in double overtime in the NCAA finals. And I was like devastated. I was so darn close. And just because you're there one year doesn't mean like, oh, next year it's for sure a thing. No, not right. at all. Um, and so I got so close and that was really hard. Um, but the coach kill mindset at Penn state is like, this is a sport, by the way, this isn't life or death. Um, and it's easy to say that when you're winning, but like when you lose and it feels like life and death, you need, a, you need somebody that actually believes that and reminds you. And he did. Right. And, uh, then my second time at the NCAA tournament, I take, I lose in the quarters. I end up taking fifth. And I, it's just, man, I'm taking a step back. So as I go into my senior year, this is my chance. And I wrestle, I beat kids that I've lost to, right? I didn't have perfect seasons, um, but I ended up beating the kid that I lost to in the quarters, win the semis match, and then I get set up uh, for the finals. Yo, dude, okay. So just so the listeners are seeing this, it's cool for me to kind of just, even in the, the short time we've been talking for 40 minutes, it's like, High school, you said that you might not have handled the loss in the state championship. Like the, the you didn't handle it the best way. It was always on your mind and stuff, but you were still working. Flash forward or fast forward, I should say, to your you now you're you're in college, and just having the mentorship from Coach Kale, who was in there sharing like you know it's not life or death. You're learning new skill sets. You've gone on a two year mission. You've probably learned some life lessons there. Handling the loss, it's hard still. It doesn't mean it's not hard, but you're right. still learning exactly. ways to cope with that and and move forward. And now, okay, so you find yourself senior year, as you just said, you're back here competing. How did that match go? Like, did you feel a sense of urgency and like a, a like a lot of stress because you're like, this is my last shot. This is it. Yeah, I did. Man, it was nuts. So this kid, I had beaten him two times prior. One time I had near I think I majored him, right? So I'm I was technically better than this guy. I'm going to beat him for the third time. He upset someone, that's why he's here. But then we start wrestling. And the same guy who refereed a prior match of mine from the NCAA two years ago is out there again. And this kid's backing up just like the kid was two years ago. And I'm trying to get takedowns. These guys stalling, backing up, backing up. And I'm like, oh, my word. Am I really going to mess this again, right? And it comes down to it. I've got, I've got a lead. He takes me down. I've got to get away to tie this thing up, right? So I'm, I'm trying to get away. I get a... I get a stall call that ties the match. And then I end up winning on uh, a locked hands call, which is like, if you're a little kid wrestler, Hey, don't lock your hands. You give up a point. Anyways, I force a locked hands call and that wins me the national championship. Right. And I feel like I was robbed two years prior to this, but this way, this time it goes my way. And in my post-match interview, I'm like, you, you dream of this grand slam as a kid, but sometimes you went on a bunt. And that's how that was. It was like super anticlimactic. I win on a locked hands call, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm a national champion. I, and I accomplished my goal. So kind of a crazy match, uh, especially that's the third time I beat him, but it, it is what it is. Yo, no, there's some cool things. To, dude. I love that. You said a dream of the grand slam. Sometimes you went on a bunt. That's huge, dude. Um, Cause that's just, that's how it happens. You know what I mean? But you still want it and you accomplish it. And the fact that you beat a guy three times in any sport, I've always said this, Matt, like, in football in the NFL, like team wins two times against their division rival, but they match up with them in the playoffs. 
it's hard to beat a team three times. Like that's what I always, I always tell my guys that I coach basketball. It's hard to beat a team three times. It doesn't matter if you're that much better than them. It is very difficult to win three times against a team. And so when you just said this is your third time competing, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I'm like, that's hard. It doesn't matter if you're better or not than them. Like it's just, it's just the reality of the, of the nature of sports, right? It's just, right. it's hard right. to beat someone three times. So you became the first returned missionary for the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to win a national championship in wrestling. How does that feel to you though? Like to, to say that still to this day, it's like, a, it's an accomplishment that you, you were the first one. So it'll always be that way. It's not one of those things where it like will go away. You were, and that will always be in the record books. I know you're a humble guy, but does that have like, what does that mean to you? And like, when you look back at it now? Yeah, it puts a smile on my face. I'm not going to lie. Very, I'm very grateful that I was able to do that. And I hope there's a lot more. I hope that I'm not the only one. Um, but I had faced the the naysayers of like, hey, you, you if you're going to leave, you're not going to be able to come back and do this. Like, go do what you want for your church, but you're not going to be successful on the mat. And that was the mentality. And I'm very grateful that I could put that to rest. Like, no, you can you can do both. I love that mentality. You know, in the book, and again, I'm going to put the link to your book here in the description of this podcast because I think it's beneficial that anybody reads it. It's amazing. It's like so cool, the little excerpts out of there that I've been taking notes on. One of the things it talked about was your discipline in college because you were one of the few that was already married to my understanding from what it said. Like you, you had a relationship, you were kind of, you know, structured, you had your faith, you were kind of, you didn't do a lot of the college life, right? The college life that everybody talks about is like, you know, and they go out and party and stuff, but you just kind of stuck to it. You were structured. That's the reality. Um, how do you feel like that play? Like, do you feel like that benefited you? And if like, you know, to be able to stay, you know, you had things to take care of that were bigger priority than going out and partying. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I am very grateful that I found my wife, Lauren, when I did. Um, marriage is not easy, but, I, but I'm but i very grateful that the timing worked out and I was married uh, during during college. Um, yeah, I, I don't have the, the typical college experience and I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. Um, I don't think you have to have the typical college yeah, experience. Right. I, I guess you don't have to. I, I didn't have it. Dude, I didn't graduate college. Till I was 28 years old, man. I started when I was 17, <laughs> 17 year old freshman at Boise state for like a week and a half till I turned 18. And then it was like, and then I went on a mission and life happened and there's a lot of ups and downs right. and then finished. I was 28. So it is what it is. I never, Never had that typical experience, but I also wasn't a national champion in wrestling <laughs> at, at Penn State either. So after college, uh, Matt, you you mentioned the Army. Talk to us about your post-college. Now, wrestling's been a big piece of your like life up until this point. Right. And that's even when you were on your mission, you know, you, you had wrestling on the back of your mind. But then when wrestling's over, talk to me about that transition because that's hard for a lot of athletes, especially high-level ones. So kind of how did you handle the transition to, to regular life when when that was done? So I didn't do it right away. A lot of guys will either coach or they'll compete in freestyle. And I decided to compete a few years in freestyle. So uh, trying to make an Olympic team, trying to make a world team. But now you're not wrestling other college kids. You're wrestling all the other national champions, right? And so the, the multiple-time national champions, so to speak. And I had some success. Every tournament that I, I went to, I placed in. I got to wrestle in Lithuania. I got to wrestle in Paris. I got to wrestle overseas and, and do well. Um, but then in 2018, I have a decision to make my body's I'm getting older, but I have a decision. If, am I going to do something kind of more dynamic in, in the army? Cause I commissioned as an officer. Do I want to do something in the army or do I want to keep wrestling and a neck injury? Not super severe, but I, I realized, you know, if I keep wrestling, I'm not going to be able to go to ranger school or go, you know, special forces or anything like that. I've got a ch choice to make. 
And so at that point I said, you know what, let's try this. And my wife was on board and we went and I tried out for the third Ranger Battalion. So that involves Ranger Assessment Selection Program, Airborne School, Ranger School. And the end of that, you get to deploy with the Rangers. And so that was our journey for two years. Um, and so I transitioned, I guess, away from wrestling to something else I wanted to do. Um, and I had a lot of fun doing that. That's cool, man. You figured that piece out. Hey, going to, you know, overseas during that time that you were doing freestyle and competing in different locations, um, who was the best wrestler you, you would say that you faced out after college? Yeah. So Kyle Dake, uh, if you're a wrestling fan, I got to wrestle him. He's, um, he's training, getting ready to win another world championship. Uh, so I got to wrestle Kyle Dake. I got to wrestle Jordan, Jordan Burroughs. Both those guys are around my weight and I didn't see myself in that capacity to beat them and make a world team, uh, to be frank. And they're just spectacular wrestlers, both of them. That's awesome, man. I actually got to meet Jordan last year in Orlando for a work event. He came and spoke there. So, uh, pretty cool. Cause my, the, the owner of the company that I currently work for is he's Russell Brunson. He he's a wrestler. And so he invited him to speak at his event. It was pretty cool. Um, yeah, amazing. he's a lot, he's a lot shorter than I thought he was though. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I was like, Oh, Whoa, you're, you're short dude, but he's, he's a monster. So I guess what's the biggest parallel between wrestling and the army? I think people probably want to hear that. I want, I want to hear it. So I want to know like, what, what did you take from your wrestling career that you can transfer into the army? Um, for to be successful in that as well, because it's very difficult. I think setting goals was very instrumental, right? First in in high school, I'm trying to win a state championship. Very singular mission focus, you know. And now in the military, it's very mission focused. They're, we're trying to do one thing here, right? And, and I think that helped um, my wrestling background accomplish that. Um, yeah, set set goals and accomplish them and have fun along the way. And I got to do that at Penn state and I'm still trying to do that. Right. I still set goals. A couple of weeks ago, I, I sat for the Utah bar exam to become a lawyer. I, so after the Ranger regiment, I just went to law school for three years. My goal is to pass the bar. We'll see how I do. Right. I might have to retake it. I might have to do, re, rerun this, but I don't think so. Um, hopefully not, but setting a goal and then you just chunk away at it. You work at it. The bar exam was stressful. And, uh, it took me a couple months to study. And like I set aside, we're doing this in end of July, but I didn't hate the studying process because you're working towards a goal and you know, the effort you put in is helping you reach what you want to reach. Right. And so I think that's, that's whether you're trying to go get a Ranger tab, that's whether you're trying to make a, make the team at Penn state, you're trying to be an all American, you're trying to win setting, like enjoying the little chunks of work that you have to put in to get what you want. I think that's an awesome, that's an awesome feeling. I'm kind of addicted to it, right? You just, I keep setting goals because I like having that focus. Absolutely, dude. And just like, this is so cool for me, dude. For somebody who you said, I wasn't the smartest academically, right? But you made the, was it Elite 89? Is that how you called it? Yeah. Um, Elite 89. Okay. Like okay, so you went to class, you focused on it, you didn't have time to do anything else, like because you're not going to review stuff. Okay, from that now you're taking a bar exam. I'm just I just have to say that. Like let's start where you said earlier until now. It's like dude, that's crazy. Just goes to show like if you have a goal and you stick to it and you're consistent with like what you're wanting to accomplish, you can do whatever you want to do. And it, it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing from somebody who wasn't even like terribly smart academically, but you could get it done. 
to now like you have the ability to take the bar and you went to law school like goodness gracious dude this is wild ah man okay so i guess that was the answer to my question but if there's anything else to add i was going to say what's next for matt brown uh moving yeah. forward for you man so i'm going to be an army attorney i'll be an army jag and uh fingers crossed to pass the bar when i get my results back that's what i'll be doing and i've got a service commitment with them i'm looking forward to serving that and uh we'll see where i go from there Awesome. And, and Matt, do you have any like kids or anything? Do, is, do you have a family and whatnot? Yep. So actually my wife, Lauren was pregnant with our first daughter at the NCAA championships in 2015. So wow, that was eight years ago. My little, uh, Elliot's turning eight. And then we have another girl that was born. Um, so I'm rushing home from ranger school. Graduation is the next day and, uh, Lauren can't wait. So we have our little girl the day before graduation at ranger school. So she's about four. Yeah, so cool, dude. That's awesome. So my question to that is, so you got the girls in the house, you know, and, uh, what would you like to pass on to them from your career? Everything you've learned up until this point, I'm sure there's more, much more you're going to learn throughout life and whatnot, but between your mission and just your faith and then your, your collegiate career for sports and everything and everything in between army, whatnot, what's the biggest thing you want to pass on to, to your girls? I want them to be grateful, you know, for the blessings that they have and for the hardships that they have. I want them to be grateful and to know that they can do hard things. Um, I, it takes time to like learn that, but I, I hope that they understand that they can do hard things and it's okay that things are hard. Something I think a lot of people need to take it, you know, that, that note right. on like, we, it's okay. If things are hard, it's all right. Keep pushing through because <laughs> today's society, I think we, we forget that. All right. So last thing, if you could, uh, give one piece of advice. That's it. Just one thing of advice for young wrestlers who are aspiring to get to the next level. And they're like, man, where do I even start? Like, what do I do? Like, I, I, there's so much, it's overwhelming. What's one piece of advice you'd give them to get rolling? Cause you know what it takes to get there. I mean, there's a lot that you got to do to get there, but what's one piece of advice where they could start. They need to, uh, I think maybe boxing does it better than we do, but spar play enjoy the sport rather than just grinding as hard as they can every day. They need to get in positions and work through them and kind of take their ego out of it and just learn the position, play with it, lose sometimes in practice, right? Like be okay with giving up a position to figure it out. I think we call it play wrestling, but they need, they need to be doing that. And, and wrestling is way more fun whenever you're not like always stressed about losing, winning and losing. So I just play, play wrestle. Yo, as we, as we wrap this up, I took note of this earlier, something that you kept saying, especially with coach Kale, I, I taught you this, but like, have fun. You've mentioned that a couple of times. And I just realized that like having fun, then you mentioned it right there. It's like play wrestle, understand, don't take it too seriously. I understand that it's fun when it's, you need to enjoy what you're doing. I can take that into my podcast. Some people will ask me, Matt, like, how do you do it? It's been six and a half years, almost seven years. You've been doing this. Do you ever get bored of it? No, I don't get bored of it. I actually love what I'm doing. I that's enjoy awesome. talking to people like yourself. Like that's, it's yeah. cool for me. And like, I think that's a huge piece in anything that you're doing. Like if you enjoy it, find ways to enjoy it though. Cause there's going to be times where it gets strenuous and whatnot, but find ways to enjoy it. And I think it'll be to have fun. I wrote it down. Have fun. Freaking awesome, man. So I just want to say thanks, Matt. Um, where can people go to get your book? I want to put it, the link here in the description so they can read more about your story. Yeah. Amazon's the fastest and probably the best way if you see me at a camp or something um I, I might have a copy but amazon's the best awesome so i'll put the link to the to the book here on amazon for you guys to go check it out 
learn more about Matt's story. And I just want to say thanks once again, Matt, for joining me and sharing your story thanks with for us. Talking, for all those it was awesome. I yeah. appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll be coming to you guys next week with another interview. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.